0: Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Synnex Premium Diesel. Synnex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn.
1: Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike
2: Adams.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us and letting us be part of your day. And we hope you're having a good day. A lot going on in the news, of course. and We'll try to sort through a lot of it and uh, take a look at some issues, such as a potential mini-trade deal with Brazil and the U.S. We'll talk about it with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. We'll get an update on how the rural health care system is holding up Uh, Under COVID-19, we'll talk with the Senior Vice President for the National Rural Health Association. And we're going to get a Washington update with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. Lots to talk about on the coronavirus aid package. Also, the Supreme Court confirmation, all that's going on with the controversy around social media we got so many things going on we'll be talking with the senator about a little bit later on we'll touch on some of those now with jerry Hagstrom with the hackstrom report jerry thanks for joining us let's start with the covid aid package uh we're we're on a kind of a deadline here uh, imposed by uh, nancy pelosi as far as she's concerned we know some things are happening in the senate what's the latest
3: well the latest is uh that pelosi and steve mnuchin the treasury secretary spoke again yesterday and according to pelosi's office they narrowed their differences now pelosi has set today as an absolute deadline for any action before the election so pelosi and mnuchin are expected to talk again today but whatever package they agreed to they would agree to is going to be so big that there's going to be a lot of resistance to it in the senate uh, mitch mcconnell the senate majority leader has said the senate would consider a package that pelosi and and mnuchin develop but that doesn't mean they would they would uh... Favor it uh... that that it would have enough votes to get through it's always possible the democrats in the senate would vote for it but of course you would they're they're in the minority so you'd need some republicans and the republicans usually don't like putting together something in which a majority of their party is opposed So. I don't think the prospects are very good, but it's always possible.
0: So you've got Senate Republicans winning a, a smaller amount. You got, we know what de Pelosi's pushing for, now the President says he'd go even higher than Pelosi. So you've got three different numbers out there.
3: Well, that's right. That's right. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk in Washington that the President is now de- desperate and is just grabbing at anything that he could that he thinks could possibly help him in the election since the polls show he's behind not only nationally but in the key states where he that were uh, responsible for him winning the electoral college the last time and uh, one of those possibilities might be a, an an aid package that would be popular but i don't know whether that can that can help him it's uh it's pretty tough, especially when he's doing things like criticizing Anthony Fauci, uh, who's uh, otherwise very popular with the, with the broad electorate.
0: There's also, of course, uh, no guarantee that if they did pass anything, no guarantee that agriculture would be in, in any of those packages.
3: That's right. There's been no public discussion about whether agriculture or an increase in food stamps uh, would be in there. And I think you've got, if you've got one, you've got the other. Now, Senate uh, Agriculture Appropriations Subcommittee Chairman John Hoven, uh, the North Dakota Republican Senator, has told me that he's still he's still pushing for it. uh, But but of course, we don't we don't know. There's been nothing said publicly.
0: Meanwhile, it seems like nothing else is going to get done in Congress uh, before the election. We wait to see if this even gets done. And then you really have to wonder how much gets done in a, in a lame duck session, regardless of how the election turns out.
3: Well, that's right. The lame ducks are very unpredictable. And, of course, the, the results of the election would have an impact on the lame duck. Uh, you know, if Trump wins, if the Republicans keep the Senate, then probably they would do a, uh, an appropriations bill that would go through next year. But if the Democrats win the, uh, you know, win the Senate, if Biden wins, then more, it's more likely that they would just do a sh- another short-term CR or continuing resolution um, that would fund the government after December 11th when the current one expires. And then when the Democrats are in power, then they would want to, re- want to finish the appropriations bills for the next fiscal year that goes through the end of, end of September.
0: So it's all kind of just hanging there in 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 the balance right now until we see what happens two weeks from today, um, and then you had COVID on top of it. You've mentioned this before. Ag groups that usually are on Capitol Hill, face-to-face lobbying, really with COVID, that can't be done.
3: No, no, uh, you know it's very sad. As I have said, you know it was it's like after 9/11, where you 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 know you wish you. If you go up to Congress, the halls are empty, and you wish you could see some people. Uh, the big news in Washington right now is following the elections, and the analysts are now kind of shifting from uh, watching the presidency so much because so many of the rating agencies and the and the uh, polls show that Biden would win. Uh, now the question is the Senate. And the big news this morning is that, that Larry Sabato's uh, crystal ball has moved the Iowa Senate race where Joni Ernst is trying to get reelected to lean Democrat uh, because the polls have so consistently shown that Teresa Greenfield is ahead. And then uh, Ernst made that mistake last week when she couldn't uh, uh, name the, the break-even point for soybean prices.
0: And, of course, controversy there, some misinformation about Iowa Farm Bureau support, which is still for Joni Ernst, even though there were reports to the contrary out there. So there's all this, uh, all these moving parts that are going on right now. But I, I keep coming back to those Senate races. Those are very key, especially when we look at it through our lens of agriculture, because it will impact a lot of key ag seats as well.
3: Oh, definitely, definitely, and it isn't just the, the uh, Ernst isn't the only House Ag- or Senate Ag committee member who is up for uh, election. There's only, also Kelly Loeffler in in uh, Georgia and Cindy Hyde uh, Smith in uh, Mississippi, where former Ag Secretary Mike Espy is doing better. Now it's very unlikely the Democrats are going to win in Mississippi, but still she has a race. And finally, there's the uh, Kansas uh, race where Pat Roberts is retiring. And the race between, uh, uh, between, the two, the, between Roger Marshall, the House member, and Barbara Bollier is now considered pretty close to a toss-up. So uh, there's a lot of races uh, involving Senate Ag that are important.
0: A lot to watch, and uh, two weeks away. Thanks a lot, Jerry. We'll stay in touch
3: okay great have a good day
0: take care Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report yeah so much talk about the polls we learned four years ago that the polls aren't always accurate right so we'll wait and see when those votes are counted of course that will be a controversy no doubt and how long it'll take to get all those counted well it looks like we may be getting closer to a trade deal with Brazil we'll talk about that with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation that's next on AOA Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Join us every Tuesday for a round the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Every week we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you Choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. So be sure to tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, joining us now is the CEO of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture, Dr. Barb Blind. What are some of the priorities that you've laid out to whoever wins the election that need to be addressed in rural America?
3: We start with expanding market access food and agricultural products globally. And I think that's a top priority for NASA, but we also heard, heard from both campaigns for them as well. As we know, um, with the current administration, there's, there's a, a large a number of trade agreements being worked on in, at this time. So another issue was worker protection and increasing the availability of labor. We, we need to prioritize keeping our food safe, particularly now in the wake of the COVID response and recovery. And then we support expanding rural broadband access, not only for rural businesses and communities, but the, the uh, health and education
2: components of that are critical, as well as precision agriculture.
0: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
2: There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest.
4: A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice usorg Adams on Agriculture
0: is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. With Sinex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, Back to Mike Adams. Let's talk trade with Dave Salmonson, Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, Dave. It looks like, sounds like, we're getting closer to a a mini trade deal with Brazil. What would this mean for agriculture?
5: Well, directly, not much. Um, this is a uh, an agreement about uh, measures to deal mostly with anti-corruption, trade facilitation, regulatory practices. There's nothing specific in there that deals with agricultural trade. Um, you know, at the same time, on a, on a separate but related track, there are discussions about ethanol. You know, Brazil uh, had suspended through the middle of December a 20% tariff on U.S. ethanol imports. So there's discussion on that to make sure that uh, tariff stays suspended. They don't reimpose that tariff. So yesterday in some of the discussion uh, from the Brazilian side about this uh, this little agreement, uh, there was some conflation of U.S. ethanol exports to Brazil and, US, and uh, Brazilian sugar exports to the U.S. So I think there's more discussion needs to happen before we see any resolution of that uh, ethanol issue.
0: Yeah, we think of Brazil as a competitor, obviously, in in agriculture, but they are a big customer of U.S. ethanol.
5: Yeah, they have been. I mean, this 20 percent, again, suspending this 20 percent tariff applies to about 200 million gallons. Of course, we all have to remember a lot of their fuel supply, uh, given what they grow and their lack of uh, domestic oil production, has been ethanol, Uh, sugar produced mostly for them, uh, for a long time. Uh, A long time. There, there, a a big market for ethanol would certainly be a growing market for us. Would be very competitive there, but uh, you know this is subject to uh, uh, discussion on that. I think uh, one positive aspect of this uh, of the recent uh, agreement on these other issues. Now that the U.S. and Brazil are working together on things, uh, some goodwill built up. Maybe we can see a good resolution of this ethanol issue. We're uh, we're certainly encouraging our government to. uh, Make
0: this happen. It's kind of interesting. We bring China into this as we so often do when we talk trade. Uh, but obviously, China buys a lot from Brazil as well. There, there have been there's talk of some kind of alliance between the U.S. and Brazil, and and maybe not be so uh, heavily reliant on China. What are your thoughts on on how that would work?
5: Well, I think the Chinese. Uh, will buy where they see the right buying opportunity and of course they've also got the phase one agreement with us and we're seeing lately they've really stepped up their uh, purchase commitments on corn and soybeans from the U.S. That's really starting to to accelerate as we're moving uh, in in our harvest season, which is their normal time for buying from us. How that would work with the U.S. and Brazil vis-a-vis China, I mean, uh, very interesting approach to uh, international commodities trade. I don't know if you'd see any formal agreement uh, along those lines. You know, we're a ways away from having a full-blown free trade agreement discussions with Brazil. Uh, that'll that'll, ha- that'll take, uh, take some time, I think, to develop that out. But certainly the role of China, as you suggested, in it will be a big factor.
0: We're talking with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. What's going on with Brexit and how does that impact any potential deal between the U.S. and the U.K. and the U.S. and the EU?
5: Yeah, well, we're hearing a lot of uh, of rhetoric out of both Brussels and London, as is very normal uh, when you're approaching the endgame to these discussions. Remember, they're supposed to have a deal by December 31st. Uh, or else the threat from the U.K. side is they'll leave the E.U. without a deal. That is certainly not something that the, uh, the Britain wants to do, uh, would subject them to all kinds of import tariffs and inspections and all kinds of things that they probably don't want to have to deal with in the trade relations with the E.U. So both sides are ratcheting up the pressure to get, to get a deal. Of course, while well, the U.S., and we're ongoing negotiations with uh, the United Kingdom, in fact, They're just starting another round this week, uh, virtually, the fifth round of negotiations. The issues that we in agriculture care about, standards for our meat exports, geographic indications, biotech approvals, and others, all are very much, I think, dependent on the deal that uh, Britain and the EU make. You know, how much room does uh, Britain have uh, to negotiate with us and still maintain their trade relations with the European Union? which is their biggest trading customer. Um, so a balancing act for Britain, uh, actually a balancing act for all three uh, countries involved, and not sure of the outcome here yet. Now, you know, there's no deadline for the U.S.-U.K. Uh, discussions. Those can go into next year, but there's certainly a desire to have a lot of this done uh, before we enter uh, 2021.
0: We talked about a balancing act. What about a possible deal between the U.S. and Taiwan.
5: Well, there is certainly discussion, uh, discussion about that. We had the announcement uh, several weeks ago from the uh, leader of Taiwan, the president there, that they would be lifting restrictions on some of especially uh, ractopamine, uh, you know, bringing up to date some of their uh, beef uh, issues. So it looks better as far as our exports go to them. Um, we know there is certainly uh, definitely a push and uh, support uh, for moving towards thinking about a U.S.-Taiwan trade deal of some kind. Uh, there was a support letter from uh, several senators that just went through uh, Ambassador Lighthizer at USDR, uh, encouraging him to explore that. Uh, of course, that, all that takes uh, place in context of what's going on uh, with the U.S. and China overall. So, mm-hmm. Again, another. uh, If there's if there's any more delicate balancing act than U.S. Taiwan and China, I don't know what it is.
0: Yeah, that's the most precarious one, and really impacts a lot of things moving forward. Again, because China is the you know such a big player in all this, and that one is
5: right at the forefront. It is. It is very uh, politically sensitive, obviously, for all three. Uh, actors in this: China, Taiwan, and the U.S. A uh, lot, lot at stake. Um, we always force on the agriculture side as much as we want to increase trade with everybody, and we do. And we're looking for we look for trade agreements to do that, knock down barriers and increase trade. We don't want to be in the middle of uh, you know the strategic and power politics of the region, but sometimes that just goes with the territory. Um, but we also, of course. Uh, have to look at how we're doing with China and and the phase one agreement uh, that was signed, looking for uh, improving that as time goes on, looking to improve those Chinese purchases of U.S. ag products. So a lot of factors at play here whenever you talk about uh, U.S. and Taiwan.
0: Yeah, a lot at stake, that's for sure. And finally, what's, uh, what's going on? What's the latest? Can you give us an update on how USMCA is going?
5: Well, USMCA into force. Uh, there's certainly discussion. I know USDR is looking closely at how Canada is implementing their provisions related to dairy. Uh, there's been concern the dairy industry that they think they were doing that properly. So that's, you know, that's on the front burner. Um, whether a case may come from that, I don't know. But they're looking at that closely. Also, uh, you know, US uh, agriculture is looking very closely at Mexico. And depending on what they might do in the future related to glyphosate uh, and other uh, chemical products, there's been some, uh, you know, some discussion from the uh, Mexican administration of phasing that out by 2023 or 2024, um, looking to have uh, tougher registrations perhaps on some other products, Um, you know, that could affect our exports to Mexico down the road. So uh, while we're happy that USMCA got done, we're that we continue the tariff-free treatment for our our exports there and through all of North America, mostly. Um, But there are things we have to keep our eye on. So we're, uh, again, keeping a a close eye on how how that's being implemented and how that moves forward.
2: A
0: lot of moving parts when it comes to trade, that's for sure. Dave, thanks for the update.
5: Okay, anytime. Take care.
0: Dave Salmonson Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Kind of a look around the globe, a quick trip around the globe on some of the uh, key trade issues. Well, we got some key issues to talk about with our next guest. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley will join us when I get his thoughts on any chance of a COVID aid deal getting done before the election. His thoughts on the confirmation vote on uh, Judge Barrett and whether or not they will get that done before the election for her seat as a Supreme Court justice. Uh, Also get his thoughts on the controversy right now swirling around social media. So a lot happening, a lot going on as we're two weeks away from the election. We'll talk with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley next here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're talking with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Let's talk about the strong beef exports to Taiwan and South Korea.
5: Demand continues to be pretty resilient in 2020, uh, despite all the disruptions of COVID-19. On the beef side, beef muscle cuts saw amazing growth in the month of August. It's our largest month in over a year at 89,000 metric tons, which is about 4% growth. And this was led by record monthly data out of Taiwan, Korea and China. Taiwan and Korea were up a little over 20 percent each, and, and China was almost fourfold increase over a year ago. While the food service begins to come back, we still have extremely strong retail demand and extremely strong online presence for the U.S beef products. So beef side, we're excited about a few of these things coming together.
0: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Time now for a market check
1: here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Soybean futures trending higher on a Tuesday session driven in part by both South American planting delays as well as strong export sales in the U.S., as long as there are weather concerns in South America and as long as China continues to buy US soybeans the bulls have control of the market according to some trade opinions USDA saying that 75 percent of US soybeans were harvested as of Sunday 14 points ahead of the week prior the soybean harvest 96 percent complete in Minnesota meanwhile for the corn harvest 60% complete as of Sunday. Illinois corn, 66% harvested, according to USDA. In corn futures, an hour into the day, we've got a narrow mix. December is down a quarter of a cent at 405. March is steady at 410 and a half. November soybeans up four cents at 1058 and a quarter. January up four and a quarter at 1058 and a quarter. Wheat futures, Minneapolis spring wheat, December up four and a half. 573 and 3 quarters. Kansas City Wheat December up 2.5 at 565.5. Chicago Wheat December up a penny and a quarter at 628 and a quarter of a cent. For livestock at the Merck, some more minus signs and live cattle futures after an attempt at early stability. December live cattle down twenty-two at one hundred four ninety-two. Feeder cattle, November down a dollar seventy at one twenty-eight thirty-seven. Lean Hog Futures, December, down $2.37 at $6,905. On Wall Street, the Dow is up 195 points, NASDAQ up 108, the S&P 500 up 25, crude oil down 21 cents. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network.
6: You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today.
0: Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
0: It's a busy time. Some big stories to talk about with our next guest, Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Senator, thanks for joining us. I, hope he's I was there. listening
7: to your markets <laughs> and the price of corn and soybeans. And uh, Joni Ernst, uh, Senator Ernst, and I was visiting yesterday about uh, what the price of corn and soybeans were uh, a month ago and and maybe three months ago. And corn at uh, where we deliver corn got down to two ninety five. And we were talking about it's, it. it, it three months ago, we would have never anticipated prices like we're getting now. Even though they're still, uh, at least for corn, below the cost of production, it's still uh, good news to have it. And uh, Joni Ernst and I were sharing that discussion yesterday.
0: Yeah, as a farmer, you tuned right into that that market report. And of course, uh, those prices have been a kind of a a key issue, a controversial point in the, the election there in in the Joni Ernst race in in, in Iowa. Uh, let's talk about some other issues. Uh, we we got this debate over a COVID aid package. Uh, we've got one figure by you and your colleagues, Senate Republicans. We've got uh, Speaker Pelosi's figure that she's pushing for. Now the president kind of wants to be a, a top both of those figures. Does anything get done, in your opinion, by Election Day?
7: Well, we we in the Senate can't wait around for Pelosi and the President to get together on anything. But there is so much that they've been talking about that is already bipartisan agreement to. And I'll name four or five things that we're going to bring up in the United States Senate to try to get this thing off of. Uh, uh, well, you know, it's it's not going anyplace. We got to get it moving. So we got money for a small business so they can keep their employees employed. We've got $20 billion for American agriculture. We've got uh, uh, money for testing, money for uh, tracing. We got money to get vaccines distributed when, uh, when they get approved by the FDA. Uh, we've got money for K-12 through 12 education because they got increased costs to protect students and teachers from that. So these are all things that Pelosi and the president agree to, but they haven't agreed to everything in this package. So we're going to have votes today to move ahead in the United States Senate on the things we agree on. Now, I don't know whether the Democrats are going to give us seven votes to move this thing along, which would prove their more interest in people than politics. If they don't, then that's the end of the game. But otherwise, if we get at least seven Democrat votes, we'll be able to move something along. Now, this is not a take-it-or-leave-it proposition to the Democrats because they'll have opportunities either to go to conference uh, with the House to work things out between the House and Senate, or the Democrats can offer amendments uh, for things that they think ought to be included in it that we haven't included in it but all of these things are bipartisan agreement
0: now there's a lot of talk about uh what's in there not only the amount but how where how it should be spent will there be if there's a package done do you think agriculture will be in there
7: yeah 20 billion dollars both in the in what the senate's put up today and what uh what uh, we would have if if the Pelosi and the president reach an agreement, uh,
0: the so
7: I think that for sure twenty billion dollars.
0: Okay, because there was talk of a of a skinny bill, uh, a targeted bill, and we weren't seeing anything in, for agriculture in that proposal. Well, uh, we'll we'll have it uh, we'll have it uh, now today. Okay. All right. So we'll be watching for that. Now, let's talk about the the Supreme Court. Uh, When will we see a vote on Amy Coney Barrett? Well,
7: uh, Thursday at 1 o'clock. Four hours of debate, 1 o'clock debate. And, uh, And if people wonder why I and Senator Ernst aren't in Iowa, it's because we have to be here for that and also this uh, uh, bill that I just described to you to help the economy and to help fight uh, uh, the the pandemic. Uh, Senator Ernst and I are on judiciary, and so you'll see us all morning long in that debate, and you'll see both of us voting to get this good uh, uh, judge on the Supreme Court.
0: And one other big topic here, that's uh, very much in the news right now and that is over social media these big tech uh companies and controlling uh or or really it's a censor- censorship issue of news uh I know you're very heavily involved in this what most concerns you about this development
7: well it looks to me like like the uh it looks to me like uh uh, also, the Justice Department's taken some action. It was announced this morning on Google. Uh, they aren't immediately involved with this, but they're filing some antitrust action against Google, and maybe that'll carry over to Facebook and Twitter. But it's very concerning uh, about freedom of the press. The question is, for the Democrats is this are you willing to hold the people accountable for this constitutional violation? Uh, because uh, Twitter and Facebook uh, blocked uh, news coverages of uh, Hunter Biden's thing and his relationship with f- foreign uh, nationals, and uh, and this is not Russian disinformation. I think the director of our national intelligence publicly made that clear yesterday, uh, and uh, uh, it's it's a, it's a double standard. Facebook and uh, Twitter are willing to not let. Uh, uh, this uh, disclosure from the laptop of Hunter Biden that talks about how the vice president at that time was willing to use his uh, influence to get meetings uh, with Chinese leaders and stuff like that, uh, but they were willing to uh, let uh, this uh, uh, st- uh, Russian disinformation that was involved with the Steel dossier affect two years of of, of Trump's presidency, and it all turned out to be hogwash, paid for by by the, the Democrat National Committee and the Hillary Clinton campaign. It's just a double standard that violates freedom of the press, and uh, and uh, Twitter and uh, and uh, Facebook should be publicizing this stuff. Uh, they they can't have a double standard, one for Republicans and one for Democrats
0: yeah we're we're obviously a very politically divided country but everyone should realize how serious this is the importance of freedom of the press and not having censorship of of information but rather put the information out and then let people make their own decisions and determinations yeah. rather than someone deciding what you should or should not hear
7: yeah well these san francisco uh, tech companies like facebook and uh, uh and twitter uh, they, uh, uh, they're going to do everything they can to protect uh, Biden, and they're going to do everything they can to defeat Trump. And just think what a Biden administration would do for American agriculture if they go back to waters of the U.S., just as one example.
0: Well, let me, uh, let's wrap this up uh, on uh, a note from the farm. How, how does harvest look? How's it going on the Grassley farm? Yeah, uh, you
7: know what? No rain in August uh, has get brought in a poor uh, product poor yield on soybeans, and yet much h- higher production of corn than we anticipated would be possible with this. And we're s- uh, done with soybeans. And as of last Sunday, we had. Forty percent of our corn to go yet. Now I think that's about the same as the national average at this point. But for the the five year average of production, I think we're way ahead of schedule.
0: You know, there you probably can't find too many colleagues in Congress that you could have that conversation with, and they'd even understand what you're talking about.
7: No, I, I, <laughs> I had three Democrat women senators stop me the other day and said, "How are things going?" And I told them just what I've told you, and I think it was kind of like a deer in the headlights.
0: Yeah. All right, Senator, thank you very much for your time. We know it is a very, very busy time for you, and we'll be watching these big stories as they develop. And uh, certainly uh, we know that you're going to be very involved in in these issues that we've just talked about. Thank you for your time. Take care. Yeah, you
7: bet. Goodbye.
0: All right. (laughs) Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Yeah, it kind of speaks to the makeup of Congress that uh, I think it stands out, A, that he's a farmer. And B, if he tries to talk harvest issues or ag issues with a lot of his colleagues, it's going to be quite an educational process that needs to uh, needs to take place. Uh, you know, on this issue, on the, the free press, I think this is an issue that should be a concern to all of us, regardless of political affiliation. Uh, regardless of who you want to see win the election. I think it's important that uh, information not be stifled, not be censored. you got to be able to have platforms that allow it to be out there, and then you make your own determination, let investigations and vetting take place and see if it's true or not. But to just for someone to decide whether it can be made public or not, Wow, that's a lot of power in the hands of a few, and that you have to be very, very careful about that. So we'll see how this plays out. These are huge issues, uh, certainly for our country. Another huge issue is handling of COVID 19. How is the rural health care system holding up as we see these spikes and peaks again in, in infections? Uh, we're going to talk about that with Brock Slaybaugh. He's Senior Vice President of the National Rural Health Association. We'll get an update next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.
6: Do you know how to keep food safe at home?
4: Clean, separate, cook, and
6: chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe.
0: Clean, separate, cook,
6: and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or
4: call 1-888-MP-Hotline. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed.
0: My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. Mm -hmm. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't
8: even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll
4: figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
2: There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple, we build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest.
0: This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. And today, we're talking about how cooperatives give back to their local communities. Talking today with Jesse Hedrick, who leads the CHS Stewardship Team. What makes you optimistic about the future of rural America?
8: There's a special cooperative spirit that I think um, exists in rural America. It's a fierce sense of pride and there's a sense of resiliency that's really unique to rural America and our rural communities. And when I think about your question of the future of rural America, I think of the next generation and how they tend to be so very community-minded and focused on making the world a better place. Specifically, I think of, of groups like the FFA. Um, In recent months, we've had the opportunity to work with our cooperative owners to support a variety of efforts that have been truly student-led by FFA members, all focused on lending a hand and helping others during the pandemic and, again, just being there to help the world um, be a better place. There was one student group in Wisconsin who, you know, on their own accord, they, um, they came up with the idea of holding pop-up food pantries to help those in their community dealing with local um, food insecurity and just struggling to put food on the table. And then there were a couple other FFA chapters that came up with the idea to set up some campaigns to help raise awareness for the struggling dairy industry. Um, so they came together and they distributed educational materials as well as a variety of dairy products. Um, that they then put through the school lunch program. These are just now a couple examples of many, um, just truly good examples, I think, of young leaders stepping up to make a difference and helping others. It's pretty inspiring.
0: Jesse, thanks for joining us. That's Jesse Hedrick, who leads the CHS Stewardship Team. Thanks for joining us around the table. Be sure to learn more about the benefits of co-op ownership from CHS at cooperativeownership.com.
2: You only get one chance to leave your mark on the land you love. So choose the
9: soybeans with a legacy all their own. FS High Soy. The first proprietary soybean brand, High Soy has been a part of the land for 50 years. Offering the latest in trade technologies and elite genetics, High Soy varieties continue to provide industry charting yields. FS High Soy. See your local FS member company or visit fshighsoy.com.
0: Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. With Sinex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information
1: America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
0: Well, here we are. Approaching late October and we're still dealing with COVID-19. It's been quite a year, a long year. It's still going on. We've been uh, throughout the year talking about how has the rural health care system been handling the uh, the pandemic. And giving us another up today, update today is Brock Slaybaugh. He's Senior Vice President for the National Rural Health Association. Brock, good to talk with you again. What's the latest as you look at the, the rural health care system? How's it holding up? hey mike it's rusty here
1: sorry to throw your curveball but we're working on getting brock on the phone right now
0: all right so i thought we had him but uh not yet okay so we'll we'll try again thanks rusty for uh stepping in there and letting me know yeah all right we so we'll wait and uh try to reconnect with brock and, and get that update because um a lot of concern as we go into winter time and in some areas of the country we are seeing uh, these uh, cases jump up again, and how is the is the system handling it? I think we have Brock back with us, Brock Slaybaugh, Senior Vice President, National Rural Health Association. Thanks, Brock, for joining us. How is the rural healthcare system holding up under this pandemic?
9: Well, good morning, Mike, and it's great to be with you on your show this morning. Um, I guess it depends on where you live. Um, we have uh, places around the country where uh, hospitalizations and surges are within uh, normal or but no normal uh, ranges, but then we have other parts of the country that are experiencing some rapid increases in cases with um, some uh, corresponding ho- increase in hospitalizations and uh, filling up intensive care units. Uh, those are occurring largely in South Dakota, North Dakota, Wisconsin. Uh, it's kind of growing in the state of Montana. So, so we've got some some large areas of the United States uh, being impacted by this right now.
0: Early on, there were there were concerns the system would be overwhelmed. Has that happened in any cases? And are you concerned about that happening as we go into winter?
9: Uh, yes, I mean I think that we finished the summer surge. Uh, as you recall, we discussed that. I think uh, mostly in some of the southern states um now we're seeing uh i guess what's uh, some are characterizing as the beginning of the fall winter um surge which we which was predicted um and we're seeing some uh, hospitals uh, being overwhelmed uh, i know in Bismarck North Dakota they were uh worried about running out of ICU space uh, Um, The problem that it creates for rural hospitals, keep in mind 61% of rural hospitals do not have an intensive care unit, Um, and so those patients have to be, um, many times if the care needed exceeds the capacity, they have to be transferred to some of the larger uh, regional hospitals, and uh, when those are full, uh, the rural hospital has to take care of those patients um a little uh, for longer and so we saw that in Westington springs south dakota as a matter of fact um where uh, they've had a surge of cases and uh, it uh, created a need to transfer but there wasn't any place to transfer for a couple of days until the patient got uh, much worse so so this is where i think i'm really concerned uh for for rural communities around the country um going forward
0: and unfortunately we have fewer rural hospitals right we continue to lose them
9: uh that's correct we've had 12 that's closed uh, so far this uh, year Uh, we have two that are slated to close uh here in later october in georgia and uh this is uh you know climbing we have 132 as of today uh that have closed since 2010 so So in addition to uh, hospitals filling up in some parts of the country with COVID, we have fewer of those resources. I'll quickly remind you that uh, those hospitals uh, also are the employers in many cases for the primary care workforce. So you've got physicians and nurse practitioners and physician assistants that are employed by these hospitals. When the hospital closes, uh, it ends up uh, terminating many times the sources of primary care
0: and even some hospitals that are still open, they have cut back on staff.
9: Yes, uh, that's true. Uh, I mean, if you're in an area, thankfully, that you don't have a COVID uh, outbreak, um, there's a decrease in in volume, and so uh, maybe some uh, low, li- lighter needs for staffing. So that's um, that's a real problem. The other problem with staffing right now is that we have a hospital in Gove County, Kansas, that... Uh, uh, has around 50 of its healthcare workers that work in that hospital infected uh, with COVID right now. So um, that takes out a huge chunk of your ability to continue services.
0: Where are we with testing and also equipment availability that, that's needed?
9: Well, Mike, that's a, a bit of good news. Uh, we've seen a rapid increase over the last couple of months in testing. So uh, this has, in somewhat, uh, contributed to larger numbers of positive cases. Uh, so what we've seen uh, with testing is that uh, the, that uh, more and more people are getting tested. Uh, the good news is is that uh, older and vulnerable people are taking much higher precautions to stay away from the virus. Uh, so we're seeing the increases in COVID infection with the younger, uh, aged individuals. And of course we know, uh, that those individuals are less likely to have, uh, problems, uh, in terms of, um, uh, getting really sick from the, from the disease. As far as equipment's concerned, uh, right now we have pockets of, uh, personal protective equipment that are in short supply. We're really concerned about that going into the fall and winter. So, uh, so that's something to keep in mind. And then equipment, so far, testing supplies, as I mentioned, are, are in good shape, uh, with some pockets of problems. And then, of course, um, uh, ventilators and such are—I've uh, not heard of any reports of problems with uh, access to that.
0: All right, Brock. Thank you for the update. Unfortunately, these are still issues that we're talking about here this late in the year. It looks like we will be for some time yet to come. We will stay in touch. Thank you for the for the update.
9: Thank you, Mike.
0: Brock Slabaugh, Senior Vice President Natural, uh, for the National Rural Health Association with the very latest on how the national rural health care system is holding up during uh, this pandemic. Uh, certainly some uh, I- areas where it is r- still a real challenge and concern uh, being able to handle the influx, the increase in cases. Thanks for joining us today. Be safe, everyone. Hope you are join us again tomorrow on AOA.